Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Pastor Perry. Thank you for sharing that this morning. And that complements so well where we are going this morning. I would invite you to take your copy of our Lord's Word and turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter number 20, verses 30 through 31. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. As we are going to look at two verses of Scripture that we have looked at throughout our study of the Gospel of John. And we are actually going to look at them specifically in their fullness today rather than just referencing them. And next week we will begin John chapter 21, which is the very last chapter of John. So we will be definitely in the home stretch. I want to read to you, before talking about the title of this message, I just want to read to you the scripture. In verse number 30, this is a, again, John 20, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. As we begin, I did mention this at the end of last week's message. But in verse number 30, we can forget the technical stuff. But the grammar is such in the introduction of verse 30 in the two words that it connects the first two opening Greek words to the previous statement that was just made. If you were to back up and look at verse number 28 and 29, Thomas, after he sees the sign by putting his finger in Jesus' hand and his hand in Jesus' side, he says, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, in my Bible, there is a subject heading which separates these two things, verse 29 and 30, it says the purpose of this book. But in the original, there is no such thing. In fact, the opening two Greek words of chapter 20, verse number 30, are words that link the following statement to the preceding statement. So everything that is being said now is connected to what just has happened with Thomas. So I'm going to read it since it's just two verses again. I want to read it again and read it in light of it is now connected with a skeptical, doubting apostle did Jesus really rise from the dead? It's connected with him seeing Jesus, putting his finger here, his hand here, and saying, my Lord and my God. And Jesus is saying, you're blessed, but blessed are those who will believe without seeing. Verse number 30, now Jesus did many other signs. What does that mean? Such as these. Many other signs, just like he did for Thomas, in the presence of the disciples. You see how it connects? Jesus did this sign for Thomas in the presence of the disciples in the upper room. So these, hopefully you can see now how these things are connected. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we want to talk this morning about here is your sign. We read about so many people in the Bible that are given signs by God. We think about Abraham. We think about Moses. We think about Elijah. 
We can think about Gideon. We think about the apostles and the disciples. They were given signs by Jesus. And we might be thinking, well, where's our signs, God? Haven't you thought about us? What, what do we have? Well, John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31 tells us what our sign from God, that Jesus truly is the Son of God and that we may believe. And our sign is this. Our sign is their belief. Our sign is their belief. Again, look in verse 30. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. This is your sign from God. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus performed signs for them to confirm his authenticity as the son of god and now these are written down that it may confirm for us that jesus truly is the son of god now we may feel like wow wouldn't it have been just better if we could have seen it ourselves to see the signs ourselves you know what i think i would have be more comfortable if i didn't have to read something but i could actually see it with my own eyes. Well, that can be problematic because we read throughout the Gospels that the people who actually saw the signs, barring just a small number of followers, actually couldn't believe and didn't believe or refused to believe who Jesus was, even though they saw the signs. Also, there's stories in the Old Testament where we read about, for instance, we think about God at Mount Sinai with the smoke and the fire and the booming voice and the giving of the Ten Commandments, and we may think, oh, wow, to be alive in that time. That would have been so amazing to see something like that. But if you go back to Exodus, I'll just read it to you, Exodus chapter 20 and verses 18 and 19, after God gives the Ten Commandments and there's fire and angels and all kinds of glorious things, listen to what the people say. They do not say, blessed, blessed, blessed are we that we have been able to be here and see this in such a time as now. No, listen to what they say. Verse number 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. So it's interesting how when we read the Bible, we think, oh, if we could have just been there. And if they could have somehow imagined our lives, they would have thought, wow, to be anywhere but here. <laughs> because they were there and they were scared to death. But nonetheless, we have been given their story. Brother Perry Robinson, just a few moments ago, so important for the saints of God to share their story. We heard how God called him and God has used him. We've heard how God has stitched his life together through providence. That's testimony of his mother about his brothers and his life and ministry. Stories are so important because they remind us and tell us that God is at work. So let's talk about their belief first of all is this is that jesus saw them jesus saw them one of the things that the writer of john 
wanted us to note is that this was not God on the mountain. This was not the thunder and lightning flashes and the unapproachable presence of God and all of his holiness and glory that if you touched the mountain, you died. And even if a donkey touched the mountain, it died. This was God wrapped in human flesh come down to humanity. This was Jesus. What this means is this, is that Jesus is not a ghost. Interesting, the synoptic gospels talk about two occasions where they thought Jesus might be a ghost. Number one was when he was walking on water and they thought he might be a ghost because that seems abnormal behavior to walk on water. And of course, he was not a ghost. And the other time was when he was resurrected and standing in the presence of the disciples. He ate food in order to confirm to them, listen, I'm not a ghost because he said, listen, ghosts do not eat. Jesus was not a ghost. He was not some ethereal spirit. Also, Jesus was not a proxy. Jesus was not a proxy sent on behalf of another. It is not that God sent an angel to deliver the message of salvation. God came himself, which brings us to the title of our whole series that Jesus is the God-man. Jesus was the God-man with divine and human eyes. The theological term is hypostatic union, the mystery of how God has joined together his fullness and the fullness of humanity, and has become one person in Christ Jesus. So Jesus was the God-man with divine and human eyes. And think about that. They looked at a man, and yet a God looked back at them. They looked at a God, and yet a man looked back at, him, looked back at them. They saw Jesus, and more importantly, he saw them, and they were not afraid. They were not afraid because he had come in a way that he could be received. So Jesus saw them. Secondly, we've already mentioned this, but they saw Jesus. The other thing that John wants us to note as we've gone through this book, he's told us all of these stories, given all of these signs. He wants you to know that they saw this happen. This is a firsthand account. This is why Thomas's testimony is so important. Because he was skeptical of Jesus and his resurrection. And his skepticism was cured when he saw Jesus face to face. But they saw Jesus. Uh, John, later in writing his book, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I love this passage. Andrea and I memorized this passage when we were in high school in our junior, no, senior year, I believe. But 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I memorized it in KJV, so I'm going to have to read it in the ESV. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Do you hear that? That which was from the beginning. Do you see how John is echoing the beginning of, in the beginning was the word. So that which was from the beginning, that's God, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. 
That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you that our joy may be complete. What are they telling us? Well, several things. John is saying this. They heard his voice. They heard his voice. Notice again, it said there, that which we have heard. Now the people of Sinai, the children of Israel at Sinai, heard the voice of God and they were scared to death. These people heard the voice of God. The disciples heard the voice of God and they were comforted. Just a few weeks ago, we read about Mary meeting the gardener. And he says to her, Mary. And she is comforted because it was the voice of the Lord. They heard his voice. They want you to know this is not something they heard about. They heard it themselves. Also, they looked into his eyes. They looked into his eyes. They saw him and he saw them. One of the things that uh, is a, a pastime and hobby of mine is I really enjoy doing portraits of people. Um, whether it's painting or drawing or something like that. And one of the things that makes or breaks a portrait, and by the way, either it looks like somebody or it doesn't, um, but anyway, one of the things that makes or breaks it are the eyes, are the eyes. And that's one of the things that I notice when I look at people because the, my art background, when I'm looking at you, almost always I'm going to look at your eyes just because I'm drawn to people's eyes because of my art background and stuff like that. My, all of my children have blue eyes. Apparently, less than 8% of the entire world population has blue eyes. Anybody have blue eyes in here? Interesting. 8%ers. How about that? Uh, I was reading last night about this, and blue eyes are actually considered a birth defect. How about that? <laughs> you didn't know you had troubles, did you? But anyway, my wife has hazel eyes and I have green eyes. My mother has green eyes. I don't know about my in-laws. I, I, I don't want to speak and, um, uh, and mess up there. I know my father-in-law has blue eyes and I think my mother-in-law has blue eyes. But um, my, my dad has, has brown eyes. So I don't know where all these blue eyes came from. But nonetheless, looking into someone's eyes... It can be intense, especially if you hold that posture. It can get awkward, right? I used to have a friend from Germany, and I don't know if you're familiar with German culture. If you know Germans, they stare. It's a part of, like, they, they will just keep looking at you and stuff like that. In the South, we can't do that. We'll, we'll look at each other for a minute, and then we have to look away and then go back. And if somebody's staring, you think, What's wrong with you? <laughs> quit, quit looking at me. Um, but nonetheless, they looked into his eyes. They saw his eyes. And they also felt his nail-pierced hands. In 1 John it says, we, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. I wonder if John here was thinking about how Thomas touched the hands of Jesus. I wonder if he was thinking about how he himself had leaned back against Jesus at the Last Supper. But here's what the author of John wants us to know. Jesus saw them, and they saw Jesus. Now it comes to us. Because going back to verse 30, 
Verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. We've talked about Jesus seeing them. We've talked about them seeing Jesus. But that's not the point of the book of John. The point is, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We see them. We see them. Who do we see? We see the men of the Scripture. We see their story. We see their doubts, their fears, their struggles, and their faith. We see their story. And it is written that we might see their story and believe. Number one, that's why it's so important to share your testimony. Because you never know what your testimony might do in speaking to another person. But we have their testimony. We see, number one, their faith. We see their faith. We see where they believed. And ultimately, they're willing to go and die and lay down their lives for Jesus. Also, we see their failures. One of the reasons that I believe the authenticity of the Scripture is the Scripture was written down by the apostles. We are told from church history that the Gospel of Mark is likely penned by a young man named John Mark and was influenced, and John Mark was influenced by the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter, or the disciple Peter. If you were writing the story, okay, if you were writing the story, do you really think that you would tell about you denying Jesus three times? That failure? But Peter did. If, if he were just making something up, would he really portray himself in such a negative light? We see their failures, but we also see their legacy. We see their failures, but we also see their legacy. We see them. And that is what the author of John wants us to see. He wants us to see their faith, to see their belief, to look at these words long written down and know they're true and believe in Jesus. Friend, I have a question. If this stuff is not true, if this book is not true, if Jesus is not true, the disciples' stories are not true, how else can you explain all of the changed lives through history? How else can you do that? How can you explain the changed lives in this room? How can you explain Brother Perry's story he just shared? How can you explain my story, your story, the disciples' story, Christians all over the world, how do you explain it if it's not true? You just say, you have to say, well, I guess they're all delusional believing the same thing. I guess that's your only go-to. But what I'm talking about is not just believing our stories, but believing our life change. Believing our life change. Now, let me say this. I know that as Christians, we're not what we ought to be. I know that. I'm not. You're not. We're all works in progress. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. Amen to that and amen for you too. But I know I'm not what I ought to be. But you know what I have learned in every Christian that I've ever come encounter with? 
Every single person that belongs to Jesus wants to be better than what they are. And that's because Jesus lives inside. Now, for those of us who get discouraged and think, you know what, God's just no longer working in my life, my encouragement is this, is zoom out the camera. Zoom out the camera and expand the timeline. If you think that God's not working in your life, you need to back out. Instead of looking at today and saying, God's not working on me, back out and see and ask yourself, well, what if I take the last six months? Can I see God doing something? Am I the same person that I was and used to be six months ago? Or am I observing some godly patterns and behavior and things that God's doing in my life? Is that happening? Well, if you can't see it in six months, back it out to a year. Can't see it in a year, back it out five years. Back it out ten years. And if you belong to Christ, you're never going to see a perfect person. But you're going to see life change. You're going to note that there are things that you used to do and they didn't bother you. But now you do them and you think, I ought not do that. You know, there were things that you used to be able to say to people. Didn't bother you at all, but now you're like, man, I, I just can't talk to people that way anymore. You'll find out that you used to care about reading the Bible, but now you kind of care about reading the Bible. You didn't, used to didn't care about going to church, but now you feel like, yeah, I think I need to go to church. And you're here. What is that? That's all life change, and it's incremental. It's incremental. We don't always see it at once. How else do you explain the changed lives? One life that was dramatically changed by Jesus. And it is a sign for us. It's John. John. I love John. Um, there's a story about John in Luke chapter 9, verses 52 through 56. And God convicted me of this. Uh, there was an individual in my life. We had gone to school together years ago. And we're both serving in ministry together, and I love this guy. But I, he just comes across to me, he's a pastor, as an angry pastor. He's just angry. And it bothered me because, to me, that seems like exact opposite of what we're called to do and be as shepherds. Not angry sheep chasers, but rather to be shepherds or angry sheep drivers. And God led me to this in Luke chapter 9, verses 52 through 56. It says, and he sent messengers ahead of him, this is Jesus, and entered, ent entered a village of the, of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. You get the picture? The disciples are coming in. Jesus sends them ahead, and the Samaritan people, these are Samaritans now, they don't let Jesus come into their town. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. John is quintessential angry preacher all right john gives the invitation at the end of church and says for all those who want to receive christ come forward at this time and if you don't he says now lord bring fire down on everybody who didn't mercy but i want you to hear john 60 years later 
when he writes 1 John, or 50 years, whatever it was. 1 John, listen to the tone change in John. My little children, what? This is that guy? My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. What? John said that? What did John just say? John is talking to the church there that he's writing to, and he says, my little children, I'm writing you that you wouldn't sin. Look, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. But if you do, know that we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus. And he died for you, and he died for me, and he died for the whole world. Well, that doesn't sound like the guy that said, wow, they don't want to follow God? Well, let's torch them. What happened in 60 years, 50 years? Jesus, life change. And it happens in you and it happens in me. Sometimes it happens so very slow and it's not for us to determine the pace nor the scope of which it happens. That's the business of the Holy Spirit. But how else can we explain the change of lives? I was listening to a friend of mine who also was in ministry and God had called him out of a very rough life of stealing and drug use and all kinds of things and he's now a pastor and he was telling a story about how he was sharing his testimony with his friend that he used to go to bars and uh, do all this crazy stuff with and his friend didn't believe in God and he was telling him and encouraging him to think about Jesus he said you know I, you know I don't believe in that stuff his friend kept saying to him then his friend looked real perplexed all of a sudden he said, you know, I don't believe in this stuff, but what in the world has happened to you? Like, how do you explain this? And the answer is Jesus. Jesus. Their story matters. Your story matters. And it points us to one glorious point. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. And if you will believe, you will have life in his name let's pray heavenly father i thank you so much for your son jesus lord i thank you lord that even though we're not what we ought to be lord you met us where we were and you're taking us to where we couldn't go without you lord we thank you for your grace lord i pray that there would be none of us stubborn here today refusing to see what you have done in the lives of the people in this book of the people in this room and say well nothing's happened to me i'm not going to believe oh lord these things have been written down for us that we might believe let no one here be so stubborn and miss out on what you have said because you are the christ you did get up from the grave you were exactly who you claim to be. Lord, for my friends who are here today that just need their faith re-encouraged that you're still working on them, let them back out and just consider their life on a wide enough lens and be encouraged that you are still working. Lord, for those you have brought here today and you're calling them to join this story of believers here at First Baptist Church, I pray you would 
send them today to join our church. Lord, for those who have needs for prayer, Lord, I pray that today they might find you and experience you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.